Today in DSE Stock Geekout, we're going to explore a company that's been making the media circuit. I believe you're not unfamiliar with it, and many people have probably made quite a fortune just owning this company. But how many of us actually understand what are they doing in their business? They have created a whole network of charging stations around the US, building a backbone for an electrical vehicle revolution. They are even claiming that by participating in this electrical revolution, people can make money gathering energy from the sun and selling it back to the US power grid. All these crazy claims and ideas from this company and its founder, but do they actually have the technology capabilities to fulfill all these crazy claims? And will Cathie Wood actually be right that this company is worth $3,000 a share? So joining me today to geek out on this crazy company will be Thomas Steele, our in-house stock and tech geek. We explore Tesla. I think you all know lah. I don't need to say too much. And they're doing all sorts of stuff. Building EVs, solar panels, batteries. Essentially, it's trying to change the way cars work and the way we interact with technology and energy. But... Elon Musk has all these extra stuff going on like SpaceX, Boring Company, Superloop. What is actually in Tesla Motors as a company? And how are all these side hustles, side ventures coming along and will that affect the company? There is so much to understand about this company and unpack all the media hype. Is this a worthy consideration at today's price? For your reference sake, this episode was recorded on the 5th of June 2021 and released early to our community members. Our discussion today is solely for education and entertainment purposes only, does not serve as any form of advice or recommendation. Thank you for loving what we do and empowering us financially to do more for you. Let's geek out! Okay, welcome back to another TFC Stock Geek Out. And today we're going to go into like the super popular company. Okay, quite popular, I would say, right? The founder of the company today wields so much influence on socials. And, uh, you know, it's a great fan of Cathie Wood. More like Cathie Wood is his great friend. I don't know who is who, but either way, Ark wants this company to be worth $3,000 per share, right? And today we're going to talk about it, right? So, welcome back together with Thomas. Yes, Thomas, what is this company we're going to talk about? Hey, hey. Yeah, this is Tesla FYI. Yeah. So Tesla is this huge, huge company, right? Um, that does just a lot of things. Like, do we think it's a car company? It's an like electric company. And uh, basically, there's, there's just one man, right? That's just uh, chonging everything. Elon Musk, right? Um, he's also in doing like SpaceX stuff. So satellites. He's also doing like... Um, Drilling, like boring company. Yeah, so boring doing like company. solar city stuff with his cousin. So very, very big things that's just surrounding him. And uh, recently also Bitcoin and Dogecoin. Yeah. So many, <laughs> many things that we can we can discuss about uh, Tesla. Like, it's all intertwined with this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is then within Tesla? Because Tesla feels like an extension of Elon Musk, right? And Elon Musk is doing all these different things. But from a company standpoint, like what is actually inside Tesla? Because in the beginning, Solar City was a separate mm. thing altogether. And mm. then it got, it got put in together, which is the solar wall, the power wall, solar panel, whatever. Lah. Yep. And then it got put in together with Tesla. So at this moment in time, like what is actually inside this company, Tesla Motors? Right? Not, not about like Elon Musk per se, just for the company. Right, so for Tesla, primary operations is still automotive, right? They, they produce electric cars. Um, they're trying to do autonomous driving of those uh, cars as well. And basically, that's the, the, the crux of what they're focusing on. 
Yeah, uh, only when they have the, 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 the acquisition of Solar City, which is basically uh, Elon Musk's uh, cousin or one of his relatives also uh, started it. Um, they went heavily into, into energy generation. Um, and this has some kind of synergy with the electric vehicles because uh, basically you can get free power, right? If it's generated from solar, um, you can sell it back to the government or you can use it for, in your house. You can use it to charge your car and uh, things like that. Yeah, so this is the primary things about Tesla. Okay, so give us some clarity in Tesla as Tesla Motor as a company that's primarily only two parts, which is the yeah. solar city part, which is the solar energy generating business. And then there's the other side, which is Tesla Motors, which is the one that's essentially selling the EV cars and trying to build this whole EV future, you know, and mm -hmm. autonomous driving, all that, all that stuff. So it's only this two part. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yep. Yep. Okay, so no SpaceX, no boring company, no Hyperloop, none of those things are inside this entity. Yeah? So all the no, excitement no. out there, you know, it's not even a subsidiary. There's no investments. Tesla is not investing in any of this company. Elon Musk's own personal capacity. Like you can call it his side hustles. Yeah. Uh, other than Bitcoin, which Tesla did buy a little bit and then they sold mm -hmm. a little bit as well. Um, their primary operations is really automotive and, and, and uh, power generation. Uh, yeah. Is Elon Musk using Tesla as a company, Tesla's shares, to take loans for all these side hustles? Oh, this uh, I'm not sure, man. Because the, the loans right, might not be actually through Tesla. It might be through uh, Elon Musk's own personal capacity. So this one, mm. I think for most startups, uh, they, they, they would actually, or most startup founders, uh, they would actually do that. Uh, sometimes they just finance their own house or they finance some other side business that they're doing, uh, perhaps illegally, right? But this is not on the books of Tesla. You won't find it in the public records, okay, right? So because this is your own personal thing. Mm, interesting. So that is something for everybody to go and dig. If you happen to know some insights, then hey, why not do share with us? But... At least on the books, we are not seeing exactly, you know, what, what is happening on Elon Musk's private financial stuff. Yeah, so, mm. so, so that is uh, good to know. Yeah, so in, in that sense, if it's only about you know, the car company, which is Tesla, and the power company, which is the old SolarCity, do they still even call it SolarCity these days? No, no, no. You know, or is it is just Tesla, like electric, right? Like Tesla power source kind of as, as a business. So, is there a name for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the solar uh, city kind of arm, right? Um, the power generation side of thing for, for homes and, and I think for certain, I would say, states in the US, that's still solar city. But uh, for the individual's homes or uh, the charging network and all that, right, that's under Tesla. So you hear things like Tesla Powerwall, uh, Tesla supercharging stations and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But they still run off the same infrastructure as uh, solar city. Okay, okay, fair. So then what is Musk trying to build? with Tesla then. I know he is doing all sorts of stuff, right? And he's yeah. always in the media circuit. So I, as someone that, you know, is not in Tesla and I've not studied Tesla, I'm extremely curious, like, what is Tesla trying to do? Despite all, so we're trying to separate Musk and Tesla, yeah. right? In, in this discussion today. So what is Tesla doing? What are the main things they're trying to drive at? What is the future that they're painting for everybody? So the grand vision of Tesla is to provide um, electrical transport at a low cost. Right, and that means, say, the way that they manufacture their cars is going to be extremely cheap. The batteries, uh, the way they make it is also very cheap, but uh, with very high uh, efficiency rates. Right, it means that your batteries last for really long. Um, your cars can can go over a lot of different miles, uh, as compared to say gasoline, and it's also high performance. And basically, solving the part where we are we stop needing to rely on oil, right, or burning fossil fuels, right, in order to power mobility in general. 
So then, in, in that sense, it's just an electric car company. Okay, or am I, am I oversimplifying it? Because there are all these other players also coming in, right? Yep. So they, are, they were the leaders, but like, as with any other space, as long as you are the leader and people start to see that, hey, there's something here, the bigger guys that are in parallel fields will start to come in. Mm. Right? So what is so unique about them and you know, what, is their, what is their proposition other than like cheap you know, electric cars? So I think it's all about the growth story, right? Um, Tesla, it's very difficult to separate Elon Musk, but uh, let's try, let's try. They are trying to sell the vision of, yes, once we solve that part about bringing the cost down of, of transport, right? High performance and uh, electrical efficient transport, right? Adding that autonomous driving component to it. So that can be applied to logistics, that can be applied to your, 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 your taxi services, right? Your delivery networks and all that kind of stuff. It can also be a way for you, if you own a Tesla, when you park it outside your office from in your office hours, right, it's not doing anything. Because of autonomous driving, right, it can just go out and be part of the fleet to uh, give people other self-driving uh, uh, services. So it can be like a Grab taxi making you money while you actually work in the office. Things like that. So it's just like selling you this grand vision. Like, like, wow, because you own a Tesla, right, it's opening up so much more avenues. Then it, then it becomes much more than just an automotive company, right? Under the best case scenario, it sounds not bad, right? Mm. You drive a car... To, to, to your workplace and you know you have many hours that you're not using you can essentially lease it back to Tesla to do all the additional things that they want to do right so that is the that is the grand vision the future of automotive I know Mars for a period of time was saying like who wants to build like train tracks these days right mm -hmm. there's no need to build high speed rail right we can already build this whole thing mm. and etc etc but but all, all that aside just on this thing right can you kind of paint us a little bit of colour so what is the difference between autonomous driving and self-driving because right. self-driving car feels like it's already in the space, right? A lot of uh, technology already have self-driving function, right? Within their cars, within their car ecosystem, right? But autonomous is like, honestly, seems like miles away, you know? Mm. It's like, like way, way further, right? So, so what is the difference between these two? I think this as a difference in the way that it was worded. Uh, it's just purely regulation reasons, right? But scientifically, technologically, they are almost the same. Okay, so regulation played a part in separating, oh, you must reach level one, level two, level three, level four of autonomy. And then it's able to be called, being able to drive without a driver. And that's the self-driving side of things, right? Whereas uh, Google on the marketing side of things say, oh, I already have a self-driving car, right? Because the scope of where it is being uh, applied to is just within a certain state. Based off that jurisdiction, you can call it a self-driving car. So in people's understanding, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, it can drive itself already. Because under certain strict rules and under regulation, it can be called that. But Tesla operates on a worldwide basis, right? So if they call it self-driving in certain kind of countries, they are not going to be okay with that. Because they either don't have the way to monitor it, or it's just deemed too uh, unsafe. So for a consumer to buy that kind of car, they expect, oh, it can drive by itself. I, just, I can just go to sleep, which is pretty dangerous, right? <laughs> but based off the stats, lah, um, it is safer than driving a car yourself, right? So mm. to what level do you call it self-driving? To what level do you call uh, autonomous? Um, in my view, it doesn't matter, right? Because both, whether, say, it's Google's uh, uh, own way self-driving, like through Waymo or their other self-driving uh, startups or Tesla's autonomous driving uh, capabilities, right? They've already hit certain levels which is way beyond humans already, right? So it doesn't mm. matter, actually. What matters is the technology that's driving behind it. What matters is that, um, is it going to be scalable? So for example, for Google's self-driving capabilities, right? they use this concept called LiDAR, 
LiDAR is almost like radar, right? But they use uh, some kind of um, different wavelengths uh, to go and see the road in wavelengths. But for Tesla's mm. autonomous capability, they are just using cameras and they can still achieve that same level, right? So mm. to what level, to what level? Yeah, I think it depends on the country which they're operating in and uh, how they're actually doing it. Okay, so in in the sense we're comparing Waymo and, and Tesla, mm. is LiDAR superior as a technology or is it just like different technology, both can serve the same function? You know, must there be like a monopoly end here? Like must someone win or can we have like multiple function, you know, multiple OSs, multiple technology that can all serve the same function? In this space? I think we're at a point where the technology actually, uh, it's a mix. Tesla actually used to do it with LiDAR. So that's, that's the, 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 the fun fact. Lah. But they've recently transited to um, just cameras because their AI, the model has been trained so strongly, they actually don't need the level of, of detail that LiDAR gives. Right? And it's actually cheaper also to just use the onboard cameras. Yeah. Really? Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So, so uh, Katie would say 3,000. Uh, is there a chance? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, will you pay it at the, at the current valuations? I, I don't know. That's up to you. <laughs> that, yeah, so that's, that's, why, that's why we're here. That's why we need to talk about it, right? Okay, yeah. so, so I, I think we, we, we went through a few major things, you know, in this self-driving, autonomous driving, understanding like what is in Tesla and what is not in Tesla as a company, right? And what is the future that Musk is trying to paint? Of course, uh, Musk has been painting it everywhere. Uh, we don't need to go into, you know, talk about what is his vision and all that. You can just go and listen to Musk <laughs> to get his fuller vision, okay? Mm-hmm. But just within the frame of Tesla models as a company, okay? Put aside all the other stuff. Could you kind of walk us through what are some of the major products, you know, as a company, what are they trying to do? And, you know, in, in more detail, yeah. Sure. So for electric car, uh, you would of course need the batteries to power it, right? So ramping it up, that scale of producing the batteries was important. Um, so you have your Tesla Giga factories, right? These are just huge factories just churning out batteries nonstop. At the same time, uh, they're also churning out the, the body of the Tesla because it's done in a certain way. It's very lightweight. So th- that's how they achieve their uh, ratios when they use this battery on this light chassis. Um, and really just scaling up the, the production of both the batteries as well as for chassis. Uh. Um, they outsource uh, part of this uh, battery development to Panasonic, but uh, they're also working on the R&D for new types of battery technologies, um, for the, uh, as mentioned, the self-driving uh, capabilities as well. Also. So this is an ongoing thing. Um, it's all part of that product. Uh. So other than it just being a car and an electric car, uh, that is also offering these kind of services and that services is powered by your AI, which you need to train. At the same time, also, you need a good kind of internet connection. You also need a good processor, right? Because it's on board. Your AI is actually running on the, the car itself. So it needs to be quite fast. Whatever you try to buy, let's say a GPU out there, it's not going to fit the job. So they have to build their own as well. So mm-hmm. that's R&D, R&D there also. Uh, and finally, you have all these components, right? You need to assemble them. And um, where they are going to be sold eventually, um, it's best that you can assemble them inside the country which you are selling it most of the time. Yeah, depending on, on, on say, labor costs. Uh. Uh, if not, then you're importing cars and then suddenly you import to China recently, then, oh, rejected, right? Something that is a big issue. Yes, yes. Yeah, so for a lot of people that don't know, um, the automotive industry is very, very taxed. All right, so if you build your car somewhere else and you try to import it into any other country, the taxation is very high. Mm. So a lot of people, um, whether is it Ford or 
you know, what are the other companies, Chrysler and BMW, everybody, right? Depending on where are their major markets, they will set up factories over there, you know, that's close to the major markets or has some sort of tax arrangement with their major markets that, you know, like Mexico, you know, then they can reduce their tax costs, right? So mm. I think that is still a very complicated uh, international kind of infrastructure that a lot of people need to be more, more aware of when they when they see car companies. Not, te- not unique to Tesla. All the car companies work this way. Yes, because of taxes. Right, right, right. And, and where do you source your raw materials also, right? Because they're building their own frames. Mm. Uh, maybe it's not steel. It's a special kind, kind of carbon fiber. It's a special kind of aluminium. Their batteries also, they get the lithium from specific places. Let's say they get a contract with a mine. I want like 90% of all your produced lithium to me for the next three years, that kind of thing, right? And then uh, that, how that's going to affect them uh, in their production also, it matters because uh, ultimately, where are they going to place these uh, battery factories? Okay, and that's good to know. And hey, I just want to ask about the, the whole like gigafactory and the battery kind of thing, yeah. right? So the battery has been this thing that they've been talking about for a long time. I think when Mars first started, he was talking about like having the whole supply chain integrated, right? Because in the automotive space, many people are doing multiple parts, right? Mm. And there's a premium stack to that because you're crossing through multiple sure. hands. So he was thinking like, put everything together in one. And that battery was the one of the biggest headache. Very hard to crack this thing. And the reality is, till today, people are still using lithium technology, mm. right? Lithium, ion, batteries, till today, right? All the so-called improvement in lithium, in battery strength and whatever shit, right? Is actually, m- most of the time, is the other processors reducing their, their power needs. Mm-hmm. Not so much the the battery be becoming more efficient and more power packed. Yep. Right, so what is the kind of development of batteries at this moment in time? And you know, is that a Achilles heel in their business? Because the reality is, if you're doing a self-driving car and your battery is not big enough, there's only a limit as to how much you can go. Right. right so I, I do think that is a that is a problem. Right, right. So for some context, right, um, actually Tesla was one of the pioneers to actually introduce this uh, new battery technology. It really existed in some research papers out there, right? It's just no one bothered to implement it because of the current ways uh, that automotive was going. It's just like, just guzzle oil, right? No one bothered. Um, but what Tesla did uh, initially at the start, they, they cracked it, at least uh, in the initial stage. And they actually released their patents for everyone to see, like how they actually did it. So this was a crazy thing. They just ignited the fire um, so that everyone else could see their designs of how to make this battery. Which, in the hope, uh, in my opinion, is to bring down the cost of the battery making because that worked, worked out in their favor, right? But it also introduces lots and lots of competition, right? Um, it's not just China. You see also Europe. You see um, Japan. You see Korea also trying to introduce their own technology. Different, different variants of lithium-ion tech. Lah. So going back to your mm. point where um, right now, are there actually improvements to the batteries? Yeah, minimal. Uh, there are some very unique ways to actually just optimize it to the point where it can give, say, that 20 or 30% more capacity. But this isn't the main issue that should be solved anymore. What should be the main issue is that how far can a car go to the next charging point? Because in a city, mm. right, if you are intending to just take one battery uh, and you don't even have to charge it for the rest of the month, uh, your battery improvements have to be so significant. Like you might well just buy two or three mm. batteries and then just bring them wherever you go. Right? When you need, then it's like mm. your, your iPhone la, or, or, your, or your whichever phone, then you have a power pack, right? Portable battery. Yeah, portable batteries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh. and, and some of the, the car, other car companies have actually gone through down that route, right? 
Um, mm. So there's different ways to design the car. They just say like, oh, I outsource my whole battery. You can just put whichever battery you want in it. My car will run it. Yeah. So some Chinese companies are going in that route. Uh, whereas for Tesla, it's like they are, they are, they are very adamant. Just build the charging network. Yeah. But who mm. knows? Yeah. That might work. That might not work. Yeah. Fair, fair. So it's it's an early stage of a whole infrastructure being built, right? So that is like the whole discussion that can go on and on and on, all yeah. the imagination stuff. Yeah. But what are the major processes that Tesla is part of at this moment in time? Other than building the cars, mm. you know, I know they do direct sales to their yep. to to their community. They're one of the only guys that can literally sell online. People just buy and you know, it just just deliver the car mm. to your house. Mm. I was like, huh? Is that even possible? So what are some of the major processes that, that Tesla is part of? Sure, sure, sure. At this moment. So I think it's also the customer support, right? Um, so Tesla being electric and all, uh, it, it sounds very fancy and all that, right? But really, uh, the another key strength that they have, right, is that it, it works like software. So imagine you, have, you download an app on your phone and the app is gathering data about your phone, how you're using it, certain statistics and all that, right? But if there's any issues, they can fix issues on the fly. You just download the update, right? Same for Tesla. The hardware is really good to go, but how the software is tuning the hardware being used. So imagine uh, if, let's say, your suspension, you want to change, right? The software is controlling it, right? The gearing ratio or the amount of energy that is being used and all that is also being tracked. And if there's any issues, there are technicians who are giving you live support. Not in person, uh, of course, but it's over the internet. And they are able to diagnose any issues right on the fly. You don't actually have to come down to it's like your warehouse to fix a, a problem. Unless it's really a hardware issue. But the software is going to pick up, pick this up anyway. It's going to alert a technician and they say like, hey, uh, let's bring it for maintenance. You're covered under this uh, program, so and so off. Yeah, just bring it down. Right? But most of the time, right, this is actually uh, prevented already because the software is doing its job. Yeah, it's over the air updates. This is an advantage that none of the other companies have yet. Crazy, right? You don't need to drive the car to somewhere to fix, you know. Mm. They can come to your house and fix it or if it's just something that they can do online, they will just do it yeah. all just online let it for update. you. Yeah. So that, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty wild, pretty wild. Yeah. A any other things that they're doing? Like, how is their progress in building charging network at this moment in time? Yeah. I know for a long period of time, they were investing a lot in this whole charging network mm. um, idea, which is exactly what you pointed out, right? You don't need the most crazy efficient battery if you have a very big charging network. Mm. Uh, so so what, is the, what is the reality now over there? Right. So they began building their charging network in the US. Uh, that's where they started out with. Uh, but they have some challenges because, again, it's a state-by-state -state basis. So you need to get certain regulation approval, uh, some they were like pushback from the existing gas stations like, hey, you're just going to build a, a charging station next to mine. Um, indirect competition in that sense. Uh, but because they look at it as like, you build a charging station, you're also going to build a convenience store with it. You're going to slap some hot dog stand or whichever. It's going to take away business. There are these kind of weird, weird things lah going on. And then there's also the question of um, which parts, which areas, uh, not just of jurisdiction, right? But um, let's say in terms of distance, for all your Tesla drivers, right, where are they going from point to point? I think this information is important also because some people are used to long-distance travel and for fuel, for, for, for gas-powered vehicles, right, that's not an issue, gas or diesel. But for electric cars, if they are not able to reach that kind of mileage, you're going to need to place these uh, superchargers at certain points where people can re refuel in the aspect and then continue on to their journey. But at the same time, you also have people that just drive within the city, right, no issue. Right? But if you drive around the city, then, oh, after two weeks already, then where are you going to, to refuel? You can't. Right? Refuel at home, eh? 
yeah, if you refill at home, then do you have the right kind of uh, tools to to help you do that? You 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 can't just charge it with your adapter. It, it's not doesn't work like that. Yeah, it, the, the voltage is much higher, mm. right? Um, the way that it's being charged because it's uh tuned to that kind of battery that uh, Tesla uses. Superchargers are very 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 fast in charging. I think within thirty minutes you got a full charge ready. For a car, lah, I think that's quite unique because it powers the entire car. It's not. It's not just like that's why iPhone. you. That's why you need a cafe. That's <laughs> why you need a cafe in the charging station. Yeah, thirty minute read a book and then you can continue. Yes. Yeah, we which actually Important. Tesla has trade just recently <laughs> trademarked uh, for a Tesla restaurant. Mm. So that might be in the works actually. <laughs> no, not kidding, not kidding. They just did it. Oh, okay. Oh, in now lah, in now They're doing everything. Okay, yes, 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 yes. So they're building the whole ecosystem. Okay, yeah. yeah. Continue. So continue. this is in the US. Um, so they 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 understand that there's there's issues whether it's uh you need to charge at home because you drive your car back home, uh we charge at the office or you charge on along the way. Let's say it's a long distance journey or it's a short distance journey. Your charging points needs to be optimized based off where your Tesla drivers are, right? So there comes uh, Solar City, there comes Powerwall, there comes the whole uh, solar generation thing, which is also um, attached to the electric grid. Because sometimes um, for solar, let's say at the beginning, right, um, you don't have enough solar panels. You're going to buy from the grid first to support your charging network. But eventually, once you roll out enough of these uh, solar panels, it's going to generate the electricity on its own. There's already a sunken cost, yes, but you're not relying on the grid anymore there will be certain times where you can actually mm. sell this electricity back to the grid. Yeah, so that's where the solar city component is pretty interesting and it lends a, a good dynamic uh, to the owners of a Tesla or say a Tesla Powerwall. Yeah, so this is in the US. In China, it's a little bit different, right? So in China, the... It, Same as everything else. Yeah, in China, it's, always a little bit different. It seems that um, there, there are two really different modes for drivers. When they are working, uh, let's say like, this is work and holiday. In work times, right, I'm just going to drive within the city or I'm going to drive into a city. Let's say from tier 3 to tier 2 to tier 1 city, right, I'm coming in and there's always traffic jams, right? So there's two modes. There's kind of, kind of journey. And then there's holiday, which is like extreme long journey, right? They might take an airplane instead or they might take a car, but if they take a car, it's going to be extremely long haul. Now, can Tesla actually support those use cases? So there are, there are actually two modes. The first mode, Probably, it's okay, right? But from tier 3 to tier 2 to tier 1 cities, right? They're not able to support uh, all cities at once because you don't have that charging network across all cities. It's not possible for you to do that. So let's say you start from Shanghai or Beijing and all that kind of thing. And then you expand outwards in a circle because uh, basically that, that's how Chinese cities are designed, right? It's, it's, in a, it's, it's in a circle. It's yes. really different from the way that US states are designed. Right, US, you can rather like the path from here to here, from path from here to here, there, there are some common points, right? But for China, it's in a circle. Eh? So what, you're going to build a charging network this way, uh, outwards. You know how many charging points you need to do? Yeah, so, so that's ridiculous, right? So the cost is going to be extremely high if US is going to use the same strategy as they did in the US as with China. So the approach, they may have to think it differently, right? If not right, then they just mm. have to settle they're only going to get the customers that's willing to use the Tesla within the city. And then, okay, I'll just build my supercharging network there. But that invites competition, right? So for the other EV cars in China, it's super cheap. You can replace with any battery. Um, I don't need to use a supercharging network, right? I can just use to any generic Chinese one. Yeah, but is Tesla going to go in that direction? Uh, this is the big question, Mark. Interesting. I, I never thought of it from a city building standpoint. But yeah, okay, so that's, that's pretty cool. So in, in that sense, trying to understand this company that has a very big bulk in building um, the cars, but also 
the whole like charging infrastructure with electric and solar and all that stuff, what are some things that we need to understand when we're looking at trying to evaluate this company? Like what are some metrics uh, that, that we should know? I think for a car company, the production capability is important. You want to see how many ch- cars are being churned out. Uh, it's just really their management. Is it, Are they actually executing on those goals, right? They say that, oh, I want to churn out like 200,000 cars and then I need to churn out 50,000. Okay, I think it's a big issue. La. But that's not happening. That's not mm. happening. Um, in 2019, for example, right? They produced 104,000 cars. They delivered 112. So there was some spare inventory mm. from last time, which they sold more, right? And this has grown tremendously. In 2020, they produced 509,000 and they delivered about 500,000 or so, right? So it's on mm. par, if not increasing. Uh, but seriously, their production capacity has just scaled well by, by almost five times, la, right? In just one year. Yes. So how many were produced? How many especially, were com- mm. especially compared to before, right? When they were missing production targets. Yes. I think we cannot forget those times. Huh? They, they were missing production targets for... Yes. Mm. <laughs> and every quarter it come out and say, then fail, 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 right? So, so that's something that I think um, as an entrepreneur, I can, I can understand, you know, but, you know, if you want to be an investor, I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm comfortable that way. But mm. definitely things have changed and they are more consistent in terms of their production capacity. So that, that is very cool. Mm. Yes. So you can see, I think the engineering side of things, the technicals, they've got it pat down. Um, now it's just looking at how many is actually uh, selling. La. So they are they are starting to make some profits, but again, it's the sales, right? It's the same thing, US, China, worldwide, and all that. How are they doing? Um, I think the next metric you can look at is say like the deliveries, right? So how many is actually delivered uh, to the customer? Uh, basically sales. And then you also have the number of uh, vehicles worldwide. So you can call that cumulative Tesla vehicles worldwide. I think you can read this in their report. Um, in 2019, mm. it was 367,000. In 2020, it's f- almost 500,000. Yeah, so again, it's, it's, it's a lot, mm. right? So there's at least 500,000 vehicles mm. out there in the world. And your total fleet, right, will also represent how many people is going to use your supercharging network, right? You can really know how to scale up your supercharging network depending on that uh, location. Important is that you break down this number into quarterly, uh, into quarterly aspect, right? You can see some patterns. Actually, there's some seasonality to it. So there's a tendency to actually deliver more in Q3 and Q4. I'm not sure why. Yeah, there's probably a reason. Christmas. <laughs> there's probably a reason why. Yeah. Um, but mm. if you compare from Q1 this year compared to Q1 last year, it's really exceeding the target by at least two times mm. on a quarterly basis. Mm. So if you extrapolate this like, oh, wow, every quarter, it's only Q1 and the, the sales are expected to ramp up in Q3 and Q4, then you can expect a lot more Tesla vehicles, right? By the end of the year, right? That's, that's, that's mm. a big if. La. So, if they meet it, yeah. If they don't, then something happened, right? So that, that's important to look at also. Fair. So why, why is cumulative Tesla vehicles so important when understanding Tesla as a company? Because I don't see this in other car company. You know, it's not, it's not important. Mm. No, nobody say cumulative like Ford vehicle. <laughs> it does not matter. So why is this important when we're, when we're understanding uh, Tesla as a company? It's a fleet. It's a fleet. So uh, now imagine, I uh, just, just invite you to, to imagine Tesla as a global taxi company. Would this mm. metric make more sense? Yeah, yeah, fair. I, I, I cannot make sense that it will become a global taxi company. <laughs> la, but I... I I get it if it's a global, like, autonomous driving. The, the, the same story that we were talking about in front of, which they are preaching, 
is you drive to where you want to get, then all your extra capacity, you can lease it out to other people. Mm. Then yes, this makes sense. But whether or not that will become a reality, that is a question mark. But of course, that is probably why you should look at these uh, metrics mm. like, because that is essentially what it is, right? And it's also a market share. Uh, some industry analysts, they look at just total EV vehicles uh, as a percentage of total number of uh, vehicles, right? But that number is including, say, is it including hybrid? Is it including uh, what level of EV, right? If you're just tracking EVs in general, uh, that might not be so representative. But say, assume, uh, assume Tesla is at the forefront of EV, of, of this autonomous driving and all that, right? These are the number of percentage or that take-up rate as a percentage of all the EV vehicles worldwide, right? What's the market share? Then you can truly gauge whether Tesla mm. is something that people are willing to, to get right, because of the advancement in technology, or do people just want a regular EV thing, or do they just want hybrid, right, like it doesn't matter. Okay, cool, that's good to know. I think the next one we can look at is the automotive uh, industry's gross margin, right, so we can compare against Tesla, so for industry, that's between 13 to 21% gross margin, right, for Tesla, it's close to 30%. Very high. Yeah, super efficient. Mm, it's very high, very, very efficient. Exactly the part about him saying from the very beginning, they want to, you know, integrate the supply chain and build end-to-end on their own. Mm. That translates into the margin and you can see it from the car's margin at this moment in time, right? So that's very powerful, yes. Right, right. And, and a few others. So there's also the number of solar or storage deployed. So um, storage grew by 71%, right? Total power walls worldwide is two, at 200,000, right? So again, with the number of cars on the road and the number of power walls worldwide also, now it start to imagine Tesla as an energy production company or energy storage company. And then you start to realize like, oh, hmm, maybe this valuation makes sense after all. It's going to go to 3,000. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. We're not price dropping. We're not talking. No, la, no, la, no. So, so some, yes, some people, yes, they, they, yes. They, 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 in their heads, <laughs> this metric kind of makes sense. So yeah, yeah. Tesla's not just an automotive company. It's going to be like everything company, mm. right? It's going to be energy company and also. So, so all that is maybe in some sense priced in. So people's expectations is like this mm. number continues to grow. After it reaches a certain point, uh, like a tipping point, right? Then uh, Tesla is going to announce, mm. say like, oh, it's going to become a global solar production company. You've got Tesla's mm. just going around mm. as a taxi company or so. You've got people going around each other's power walls to charge. Then you don't need superchargers anymore. Yeah, so there's a lot of ways to play around this. If you look at Tesla, there's a lot of optionality, but there's also a lot of risks. Yeah, so how do you want to interpret mm. this is really up to you. But there's a lot of, of, of uh, these metrics which you can just play with. Lah. Yeah, see, it doesn't actually make sense. No? Okay, but one thing I, I think that makes sense for me at least is uh, say the number of blackouts in certain states in the US. So say there was a snowstorm in Texas. Like you think, hey, Texas got snowstorm one. Like, yeah. Global warming, guys. Mm-hmm. So, so Texas did and will have frequent snowstorms, right? Okay, so let's say blackouts are just in general, right? Whether it's like some extreme weather event or just electricity grid fail. Let's say in California, also same thing. So this number of solar and storage deployer is important per state, right? Because actually they were able to supply the electricity when the state needed it most. That means uh, they have more say in what they want in a certain state. So same thing, uh, if, if you check out Tesla, you can just Google them, right? They've also been involved in certain initiatives uh, say like uh, Pacific Islands or something like that, right? They were hit by natural disasters and then they were able to restore the energy production, right? In a matter of weeks. So imagine a total blackout, mm. the electricity is total failure, but with their technology, they were able to do it. 
So like, hey, mm, actually this kind of story or this angle being an energy production company that can be deployed across the world uh, is actually quite possible. Technology really exists. It's just whether mm. they want to execute or not. Not as well as what people think it is, right? Mm, mm, mm. Okay, then there's also the product-related stats. Uh. I think if you're a car owner, this matters. Um, so what's the cost per mile? So if you really like uh, OCD one, you calculate like my total with my tax, with my maintenance, my COE, my depreciation and repairs, right? Uh, number of trips, gasoline and all that kind of stuff, right? And then total by the number of miles that you can possibly drive. That's your cost per mile, right? So for mm. Tesla... But mm. I do think that it's not fundamentally very important for most average consumers mm. that are buying cars. There's always a subset of consumers that are like super geeky, right? Trying to look at the whole like everything about it. But I think there is a very big bulk of consumers that are just, you know, emotional by buying it from a few like, oh, Tesla, like cool vibes. And, and I, I do think that is the bulk of the consumers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but what, what, is the, what is the kind of advantage in terms of uh, mileage for Tesla at this moment in time? Right, right, right. So, uh, mileage... Wait, wait, sorry. Do you mean mileage by the how far it can go without a charge? No, like the cost. Like how efficient are they? Ah, okay. It's 44 US cents per mile. And uh, this hasn't yet counted, right? The energy production side of things. Okay, so in the US, this is heavily used. Uh, why? It's because they usually try to pack it together with a power wall. So your cost per mile actually decreases by a lot. And after a certain years, right, it actually becomes productive. It's no longer an expense. Aha, uh-huh. so your, your light bulb like <laughs> goes off, right? Because your energy production mm. is more than what you consume. So it's basically, hey, it's making me money already. So it, it, after a certain point, right, they can have a plot for you. It's, paying, it's paid off your Tesla after five years or three years. Yeah. So example, the, I think one of the states in the US, they bought a police car that was a Tesla and they just plotted it, right? It's going to pay off for itself for two, by two or three years. So they can do that kind of projection, Damn. which is pretty useful for companies. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of things that we can look into, but there's just one thing that I really want to, you know, talk a little bit about is the energy credits. Mm. Right. So at this moment in time, I think um, they're saying that they're already profitable and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But actually, the reality is that most of the money that's really coming in are from energy credits. They're investing a lot of their revenue back into growing their business and all that. The real like f- infinite margin revenue that's coming in, which is like 100% the taking everything, is really the energy credit portion. Uh, Am I seeing it right? Not really, I think, because it, it, it's, it's just take it as just revenue, as percentage of revenues, right? These energy credits is just 6%, right? Uh, although the margins may be higher and whatnot, um, and, and then it just floats down to the bottom line, yes, but the bulk of their business, what about the other 94%? Right? The other 94% is still their corporations and this is not something that they're actually relying on to, to make them a buck of their money. Right? If you think in terms of, just take this out or 6%, if you're doing your valuation, right, just, take this, this, just take this out altogether. And then you see your, your uh, operating margins, you see your net profit, net income again, they're actually growing. Right? So it doesn't matter whether this just falls directly to the bottom line or not. Right? That 94% still constitutes their core business um, energy credits shouldn't be something that is like, oh, I, I know there's a few discussions online, like they argue, these investors like say, oh, you're just making money through energy credits and okay, they, they have some agenda. So exactly. some agenda. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That's good Good to know, good to know. Uh, so these are the core metrics that I think people should understand mm-hmm. when trying to evaluate Tesla as a company, right? So then what are the numbers looking like? What are the financials, you know, based on all these metrics and 
essentially we're running through the FS, right? Like what are the how how is it looking like from from year to year? What where where are we now? Sure. So revenue wise, they had a twenty eight percent growth. So it's from thirty one billion from twenty four billion. So that's twenty eight percent growth. But the average selling prices per vehicle actually came down by thirteen percent, right? Because they mm, had another another <laughs> another customer acquisition you know strategy trying right. to get market share. Right, right, right. Because uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, their first model they released was super high end to go and fund the operations and all that, get the technology right, and then after that, bring it down to consumer level, right? Economy class, whichever class. But definitely, you have to bring it down to the price point where people are not afraid to make that purchase decision, lah. But especially if they're fighting against, say, China, right? For inside the market of China, they need to be priced as the same or lower. If they're going on a quality angle, then it has to be a premium also, but it cannot be too high, lah, right? So that also has to be factored in. It's part of their strategy to bring costs down because they are also bringing other costs in producing the car down year by year, right? Um, so we can go into that a little bit later. But revenue by segment, just for, for, for clarity, is basically automotive is uh, $9 billion. Uh, versus 5 billion, right? The energy segment, so your production and all that is about 500 million versus 300 million, right? And then their services constitutes all, all sorts of other like support services and all that. It's close to 900 million as compared to 560 million last time. So it's all it's all growing nicely, right? But a bulk of it, uh, you'll see actually coming from the automotive side of things. So that's like 9 billion, Right? So this segment, I think on a quarterly basis, if you look uh, quarter on quarter, it's, uh, the number of sales per car, as I mentioned, like Q1 really is exceeding um, the targets extremely, extremely well. Uh, but let's see for, for Q2, let's see for the rest of the quarters also. Um, but yeah. for cost-wise, uh, yeah, this also will balloon, la, definitely. Heavy capex and all that. Of course. Yeah, it's 8 billion. Heavy capex business. Yeah, for sure. 8 billion versus 4.7 billion. Um, pretty high, but nothing much in terms of revenue, lah. Right, revenue is, is of course far mm, far exceeding mm. that. Yeah, but uh, operating margins yeah. wise, we actually do see some improvements. So it's not just like okay, capex heavy, but they're not doing anything about it. Are they actually make, being more efficient? The answer is I think so. So last time it was zero point three three percent, like marginal Like what the heck is that, right? Now it's six point three percent. So something is starting to come up already. Six point three percent is is pretty decent, right? And from a gross margin perspective, they're already beating industry averages already. The estimate. By a far, far margin, right? One of the best, if not the best. Yeah, I'm not sure for 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 Toyotas lah, but yeah, I, I think it's 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 up there. So cash flow wise, right? It's two point four billion as compared to two point seven billion. So a slight decrease, but still a lot. It's just spitting out two billion every year, right? Mm-hmm. So not bad lah. Debt wise, it's about mm, thirteen billion, same as last time also, right? But your earnings per share has actually increased. 0.64 as compared to yeah. minus 0.84. I, I'm not sure the number of uh, shares in the market. Maybe they reduce it or something. Yeah, But from pure cash flow standpoint, they are actually making money. Fair, fair. I, but I also think it's interesting to note that, you know, because they have such a thick margin in their hardware, mm. you know, relative to all the other guys, that it becomes a very interesting business from just selling the hardware itself. Mm. Right, because in in all in studying all the other car companies, right, they're making most of their money from services. Mm. They're they're making most of their money from insurance. So all the side things that they sell, you know, to support their car owners. But this crazy company actually makes money from selling cars. Like it's a serious thing. Like you know, because of their margins, thirty over percent compared uh, uh, 
close to 30% compared to other guys mm. on the cost uh, of the good itself, right? So that that's a pretty interesting thing to look at. Yeah, cool, cool I, stuff. I, I, nice, so, nice. So, just one small point, right? I actually do think Tesla has quite similar characteristics right, as Apple, strangely, mm. right? Apple makes a, a, a mm. bunch of, of money, right, from actually iPhones, hardware also, right? But the real kicker mm. actually comes from the ecosystem, which comes much later. There are app stores, there's software, right? Um, and we see a very walled garden approach. And Tesla is also trying to take that mm. walled garden approach, but for cars. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What what garden meaning like their own ecosystem? They're blocking other people into this. Space, right, right, right. So you have a cult base of Tesla people. Same like you have a cult base of uh people with uh Apple, right? They will only use mm-hmm. the Apple apps. They will only use everything inside the ecosystem. The laptop also Mac, right? Same thing. Supercharger only. It's like the best thing, the premium thing out there. Um and let's say if they want to go into ads, like, I hope Tesla doesn't go into ads, right? But I say like. For Apple, they, they go into ads. Yeah, so that whole walk garden, it means that there's so many other users, there's so many other, a big audience right, within the whole of Apple itself that it can capture so much attention, right? And it's a self-reinforcing thing. Everyone wants to be part of that, right? So the demand is much, much higher in some way. Same thing for Tesla. I don't know what comes out of this. Maybe it could be their taxi service. Maybe it could be some form of like satellite thing with SpaceX. It can also be through energy. Right, everyone wants to use a Tesla power generator or or, or power storage instead of the generic ones powered uh, bought by the state because not reliable. Things like that. Things like that. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I see some some commonality lah. Okay, interesting. Wait, I just want to clarify. Do you do you have Tesla? No, I don't. In your portfolio. No, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. I I get I get what you're saying. You know, but but. I, I do understand what you mean by, you know, that all these interesting, sexy things that can potentially come out of it. But the what is potential, right? Yes. At this moment in time, they're still, they're still a little bit far. But I, I get the whole, like, momentum, you know, they're building up. Maybe they're close to a tipping point mm. of that cult following, right? Because they you already see a cult following for, for this particular company, even for the investors, right? <laughs> so so that's that's good. And, you know, I mean, it's true, right? Cult following for the investors is a very real thing, right. you know, when it comes to Tesla. So, yeah, it's good, good stuff and all. Like, but do they have the management to really execute the business? Because it seems like everything is revolving around Musk, mm. you know, and Musk has so many things on his plate. You know, I'm personally not a big fan when someone has so many things. Just look at <clears throat> Jack Dorsey. But anyway, <laughs> so I don't like it when the CEO has too many things ongoing. Um, sometimes I get the beauty of having, doing multiple things and, you know, maybe you can complement or you can open up your minds doing multiple things and, you know, you mm. can take best practices from other sectors in. But the other people in the team has to be very strong to keep this, you know, car going. Sure. <laughs> so who, who, are the, who, are, who is the management in this space and do, they, do you think they have the ability to make this happen? Yes, I, I think they do. Uh, okay, let, let's start from Elon Musk first. Uh. So um, on that point where he is able to handle multiple things, he's able to be both uh, technical as well as handling the business side of things very well. I think he's one of the rare CEOs who can. And he really manages, manages his time ruthlessly. La. Yeah. Okay, so like, like how, right? He's the CEO, product architect of Tesla. He's also the CEO and CTO of SpaceX. He's also the chairman of SolarCity, right? Just like all these things, how do you manage his time? Really, it's back to his background and his engineering discipline, right? First and foremost, he, he did study physics, right? He picked up engineering. He's a smart guy. La. Yeah, so he just self-reads. He knows how to... to, to you just give him the manual. He, he knows how to, to operate things really. Yeah. Um, but basically building things from the ground up, looking at things, research papers, understanding the concepts, putting them together, bringing the right people. 
I think that's something that he can do also. So very rare, but I say this is also a risk because everything is relying on him, right, to drive multiple companies forward. If he's not there, very, very difficult. Yeah. Because imagine, right, if, mm. if there was no Elon Musk, would you see SpaceX today? Would you see Tesla? Would you see Solar City? Maybe Solar City, lah, yeah. But all these wouldn't come together. All these wouldn't, there's no synergy. No one actually is there to understand these threats, right? Different technologies and coming together to form a whole. Very, very difficult, right? So what was his background? PayPal. I mean, it's a software company, so random, but he's proven mm. that he is able to develop build no, wait, companies. But, but PayPal, PayPal was a legend mm. during its time. Yep. Right, PayPal was was a legend. Okay, then nowadays people judge PayPal like you're so old school, so expensive. Mm. Right, people already peep peep to pee. You're still doing this kind of card processing mm. or like digital processing. But okay, they also got Venmo. That's a whole different discussion. We can do PayPal another time. Okay, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. PayPal during its time when eBay was a thing, they were revolutionary. Right, because back then digital payments was was a shit show mm. and. PayPal was the legend team, like Peter Till, him, and a few others. I can't remember who, but but it's 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 it was a thing, yes, back then. Mm-mm-mm. So it was a pretty hard problem. Um, he was one of the programmers also for PayPal before he decided to actually remove himself from the programming thing because he's better in the planning. That's what he 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 understood for himself. And then he brought better engineers, he was able to scale up the system. Um he also worked together with Peter Thiel um to actually build this rather than compete together. And then um, just built up PayPal for, for what it is. Sold the company. Um, then with his proceeds, he decided like, okay, I bought, like do a space company. La. And then at the same time, also someone was asking around like, hey, why, why, um, why can't we do or upend the car industry? Why, we can be so more, much more efficient. La. So he decided to put some money into Tesla. So SpaceX was kind of like, okay, right? No, like, no, no launches yet. But um, Tesla was barely surviving. So he pumped all his savings into Tesla. That's a story, lah. Okay, but if you read his background, actually he comes from quite a well-to-do family. Okay, so mm. yeah, <laughs> startup story and and whatnot. Just mm. just take it with a pinch of salt. So after that, then <laughs> Tesla already set more or less uh set up properly. Then SpaceX start to cause some issue, right? There's only a limited number of launches that you can also do. Then he also pump all his savings there. So commitment wise, time wise, right? He's willing to put in that kind of effort and the commitment to see things through. This is just one crazy guy. Right, his risk reward right is crazy one. He just doesn't see the risk. He will just get it done. <laughs> it's true. He's very eccentric. Yeah. He's on sell Jack Ma on stage. Yeah. Right, so that's a uh, weird, weird, weird eccentric people. But eccentric people do crazy things. So yeah, that that's uh that's a reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's the CEO. Right. Let's talk about the CFO. So uh, we have Zachary Kirkhorn. So he previously held some finance positions in Tesla. So since twenty ten. Right, VP of Finance, Financial Planning, Business Ops. Um, he's got a double degree in Econs and Mechanical Engineering from UPenn, uh, MBA, Harvard. Fun stuff, Elon Musk also graduated from UPenn. So alumni, maybe some kind of connection, uh, probably. But he's been in the company for quite some time, so that's the CFO. Let's talk about the different aspects of Tesla. So we talk about the production side of things, right? There's different components in a car. Yes, there's actually specialized people, right? Handling those. So we have Jerome uh, Gullion. I'm not sure whether I'm pronouncing your name, right? Uh, but it's the president. It's okay. We're always butchering our Okay, Jerome. Like, Jerome. His name is Jerome. Okay, so he's uh, president yeah, of Jerome, Automo- yes, Automotive. Jerome. So he's at Tesla since 2007, right? So very long time already. He was previously the VP for the trucks and others program. So trucks and others, uh, basically they don't just sell cars. They also sell the trucking um, kind of, uh, for the trucking use cases, long haul uh, kind of use cases. 
Then um, he was also the worldwide sales and service and the Model S program director. Uh, so he's been in the company for a very, very long time. He's got a PhD in mechanical engineering from University of Michigan and a dual degree in energy technology and mechanical engineering. Yeah, so technical-wise, yes, he's able to also link these together. It's not totally Elon Musk, right? But for this aspect of uh, getting these different components of a car together to build it out, I think he's got the background, yeah. And then we've got uh, the SVP for the powertrain and energy uh, engineering. So powertrain uh, is to do with uh, a little bit about how the motor, right, actually drives the car forward. That's the, the, the powertrain. Uh. And the energy engineering is, is, is the part about the battery. So this component is split out into one role. Uh, his name is Andrew Baglino. So he's been at Tesla since uh, March 2006. He's got um, electrical engineering background from Stanford, right? And then uh, mm. in a senior advisor role, but he was actually previously the CTO of Tesla and the member of the founding team is uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Straubel. Yeah. So he was a previous CTO of Tesla. Now he's the senior advisor. He's overseeing the R&D, uh, evaluating new tech designs kind of thing, making sure that this is, is run well from an advisory standpoint. Uh. But important thing to note, right, is that he didn't jump to any other car company. Right? He could very well have just done it. But he's staying on with the company. Yeah. Mm. So he, he essentially just left the executional role and went into an advisory role. Right. But still within the company, he didn't like take the whole thing somewhere else or take his brains somewhere else. Yep. So that's, that's a good thing to yep. know. As for the AI okay, part, then okay. I think there's a few people that left. But these are not the senior managers. These are the engineers mm. themselves. They, there's some accusations, right? They copy the code into iCloud and then yeah, there's a few yeah, litigations going on and that. Yeah, but these yeah. are the, on the, on the it, ground it, level, yeah, not your management. Yeah. But it always happens, right? It's a... Uh, Apple poach Tesla, Tesla poach Uber, Uber poach Apple, you know, it's like they're all poaching each other's people. It's, it's extremely normal. You know, you just want to make sure that there's no super high profile people that leave, mm. you know, because at the at the top, top, top level, if someone leaves, then it does show some sort of very big dissonance within the within the management and, you know, may not always be the best thing, may not always be the worst, but it's just a, a sign that some something is happening. Yep. But if you're talking about like mid-management and, you know, technical and below, right, usually it's okay because people are always poaching in and out, <laughs> in and out, in and out. Unless, you know, unless there are like amazing, unique geniuses around, which is not, not impossible, but yeah, that's too much detail. I don't think most of us will understand that. Mm -hmm. nah. Okay, so that's cool. So, so in your view, the management of Tesla actually is very technical and have the ability to, you know, create this dream. Is, is that kind of what I'm yes, hearing from yes, you? Yes. These people are not random. They have been specifically selected also because of their background or their research in that particular area. Nice, nice. Okay. So with this team and how far they've come, right? Are there certain modes that they have already created? You know, because they are relatively, they're not young already. Like, it's, a, it's an old company, mm. you know, but only recently they're really seeing them balloon up, right? So it's, it's the hockey stick idea, right? Mm. For many, many years, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then you vroom, now you're seeing them balloon up. Yeah. So then, have they gathered some sort of modes in their business? Yes, yes, they have. I think the first one is the brand. Last time, people didn't believe that this could be done, right? Now people, uh, yeah, this is common already, like no, no kick, right? But back then, when it started out, right, very reliable already. It was already beating supercars. I think that's crazy, right? Um, the battery tech, and it's, it's based off batteries, not gas, right? So like the reliability, the market leadership in terms of technology, this is a brand thing that um, I think everyone is just uh, associating with uh, electric vehicles. Uh, maybe not the same for, for China, uh, but 
the rest of the world. Yeah, this is the, the brand is an important mode. So if they want um to buy other cars, right, they will go and seriously consider other than just the brand of Tesla, right, and the support and all these kind of things, they will look at just the hard numbers. So previously we shared a few metrics and all that, right? Uh, cost per mile. Like no brainer la, pick a Tesla la. Yeah, why? Right? Mm, yeah. Mm. So I think this is important. And then another mode that they have is the autonomous driving aspect. So they have one of mm. the largest data sets in the world for driving, right? Largest. And that's not something that they release. They didn't release the model either, but this has been somehow copied over into to other companies. But the model is nothing without the data. Miles and miles and miles, millions mm. of miles of driving data, right? And to train this onto your AI, the metric of cumulative Tesla vehicles on the road also is also important. Why? Because this is the number of cars that's on the road that's recording for this data set. And it's being sent on the fly, mm. right? And training the models to become even stronger. The bigger your network, the bigger your mode as well. Yeah. So this is what, why I missed out. Okay. So yeah. in order to achieve... Wait, wait. Mm. So wait. But, uh, but are you concerned that they... Okay. So where I'm coming from is, you know, QNX, BlackBerry QNX, mm. right? They, it's a, it's a, it's an operating software, you know, that is like quote unquote the highest, most safe, you know, uh, OS for autonomous driving and, and all these mm-hmm. like cars and whatnot. Are you concerned that Tesla is not on it? That they are developing their own OS and recently there are a little bit of uh, kings here and there with, you know, like people are hacking into their systems and all that, right? Is is that is that a cause for concern? No, I don't think it's a cause for concern. At the end of the day, right, the security of this software is down to how Tesla is going to secure the connection. If, let's say, someone really wants to hack the car itself, right, then they've probably got some personal agenda against the person, right? It's not exactly the car. But if they are wanting to hack Tesla, it's going to be a little bit difficult, yeah, because they they are working on on some ways to actually address it. Say like your iPhone, your encryption, you lock any, you don't have the fingerprint or the, the, the facial recognition aspect, right? Can't get it, it's going to get erased. Same kind of technology, I think Tesla is able to replicate this as well. Yeah. The other concern that I do have is what if the regulations per state or per country forces Tesla to take ownership of the security of the driver? Ah, then that's a concern, right? Then it's got to be from end to end. The internet connection, which used to be nothing related to, <laughs> to Tesla, right? The hardware itself, the chip that they're producing. Yeah, all this has to be, has to be factored in and then that's going to be extra cost for Tesla. Yeah, then probably. Fair, thank you. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, yeah. Mm. So other than this data, right? Uh, it's just gathering daily, right? If you consent, then then the data is being uh, shot up to a master model, so to speak, and then it basically more and more data you get. It, the mode is getting bigger. The model gets stronger. The faster they achieve uh, level five autonomous driving as well, and then they can open up a lot more use cases after that. Yeah. So self-driving taxis mm. is really not that far off. Yeah. So. Um, Interesting. We, we talked about it briefly in NVIDIA. Um, so NVIDIA actually covers, say, GPUs, right? Tesla does not use NVIDIA GPUs, right? They use their own processors. They wouldn't call it graphic processors anymore, but their own compute uh, to actually power this. So they have some form of edge compute already, which we only start to see, right, in other places, just trying out, just in R&D stage. Tesla has already put this into production. So they are really, really far ahead of the curve in that aspect. Um, AMD recently announced like, oh, we're in Tesla cars and all that, but that is not powering the AI. AMD is only powering <laughs> AI. It's only powering the graphics display. 
So you know the the your screen ah mm-hmm. uh, when you buy a Tesla right? Yes, yes, the very low level one. Yes, the male young one. Right? So it's not the core, not the core idea. Right, right, yes. right. So when they try to upsell that, yeah, we are in Tesla cars. Please go and dig deeper. It's not powering the AI. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's powering the screen. Yes, yes. There are multiple your entertainment system. Exactly, there are <laughs> exactly there are multiple multiple you know microchips and hardware facility within uh, a lot of these modern day items, mm. right? And all your semicon, your chip makers, so they always try to sell you their, their, their what, 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 but you want to go and dig down and try to find out where they are in, in this business chain. So yes, that's good to know. Uh, another stat, right, which I think is very, very powerful negotiating uh, power they have with the states is the uh, accidents per mile driven, right? So say uh, for normal stats, let's say human drivers, uh, let's call it human drivers, the number of accidents per crash is uh, 1 to 484,000 miles, Okay. For Tesla, it's one per 4.2 million miles. It's at least an eight times difference. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's at the current state of its it, it, uh, autonomous driving capability. Right? So this is very, 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 very powerful negotiating power already. If anyone tries to come along, let's say competitor and say like, oh, we also got self-driving, right? Implement ours. I say, okay, down to this stat, who's better? Mm. Right? Fair, 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 yes. And then there's going to be like anti-competition laws and that kind of stuff, right? They can just fight back. Ours is of way course. better. Yeah. So essentially what I'm hearing is their hardware, it's, it's more advanced than other people. Their software integration, their whole AI is more trained. Mm. And also from a technical level, they are leaps ahead of their competitors. And then they still have the brand. Essentially, that, that is the modes that we are, we are seeing. Right. But whether or not they can, you know, continue to... Sp- to grow the business and spin off peripheral things and peripheral services to make the business as a whole, you know, powerful and has a lot of modes around the business and not just the technology and the car itself. That is still, you know, something to be seen. Uh. Essentially, that's kind of what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. But at the core in itself, technology, they're way ahead of their, their competitors and the brand identity definitely is way more powerful than, you know, a lot of the old car brand. Is that what I'm, what yes, I'm hearing from yeah, you? Yeah. So business-wise, I think the, the, the key metric you want to see, okay, just boil down Tesla to just a car company, right? Are they actually increasing their market share? In the US, yes, mm. they are. In China, it's still, a, it's, still a, it's still a fight there. Yeah. But technology, they have the ability to scale. Then just see what comes next, lah. Cool, cool. Okay, so then with, with that in mind, right, let's kind of sum up today with some of the headwinds and the tailwinds and what are the growth opportunities that you see in Tesla. And also maybe can share a little bit, like you said until like so good, right? Why you don't own Tesla? I think people will have this idea. Right, right, right. I think you can get the, the address the second point first, why I don't own Tesla. It's really priced very expensively. Yeah, it's at least I think 300 times, uh, if I'm not wrong, the last time I checked. Right of of hey you want to go price to mm. sales or price to earnings whichever la like, EV a bit da I think it, it's very high sales whatever very you high use. super super <laughs> high it's like you expect this company to just rocket to the moon right in Tesla in Elon Musk mm, words mm, mm, mm. um as a company right it's a fantastic place to work I think fantastic place to for your growth mm. as a investment vehicle. I think there's other better opportunities. Just wait for the price law. Yeah, if it comes down to a good price, then mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Uh, but I think there's a lot of expectations that is placed uh, based off the price premium right now that I don't feel comfortable in, in owning Tesla. La. Yeah, Owning a Tesla car, yeah. yeah, maybe I might. Yeah, Owning a Tesla vehicle is okay. Mm. Yeah, as an investment. I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so so I sometimes mm. I do buy some products, but I will not own the company. Yes, yes, I I totally get what you. I mean. think there's some discussion also, right? Would you yeah. prefer buy an Apple iPhone or the Apple stock? <laughs> that one is, <laughs> uh, uh, what what do you call that? Like outcome bias, yeah. right? Right? Can, cannot cannot use this kind of like Microsoft. All these are outcome yeah. biases. You know how who would know what what is gonna happen, yeah. right? There are some key things that we look out for in trying to determine whether a growth company will become a giant into the future, right? What is their churn rate? What is the traction? You know, how, how strong is the management? How far they want to go? What is the addressable market? All those kind of things. There are quantitative, yes, but there's the qualitative aspect. That a little bit of dreaming, a little bit of thinking, whether it gets there. So that's the element of luck. You cannot, cannot lie to yourselves. But okay. too many people use, use that whole like, oh, do you want to buy Apple share? Or do you want to buy like Apple phone? So honestly, I, at that point in time, I'll probably just buy Apple phone because... It's just a good thing to use, mm-hmm. what, right? But who knew that it would become it will, it will become this big, right? So that that is my my base understanding. Yeah. Th- thank you for contributing to. But I do own Apple. I just on the fifth, def- fifth or sixth <laughs> decimal place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, exactly. But I do own Apple share, and, and I own it for quite a while already. Mm. But yes, that's a story for another day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so uh, that's the reason why. But growth opportunities, I I do think there's there's a lot of paths uh, Tesla can grow. So, um, electric vehicles, right? It's only 2.5% of the total addressable market so far, right? It's producing new products every time. The innovation is always there at cheaper and higher um, um, mileage also. So, very, very competitive as compared to other competitors. Uh. So, I think, I think I did have a small table of like the same class of cars. Lah. That's just beating all of them, right? By price point, mm. by stats, by, by a lot of different things. So I think there's definitely room to grow based off their core product. Now, the next one, um, something mid to long term, I would say maybe one to three years time, right? Is the autonomous driving aspect. I, I, I really keep harping on this self-driving taxi thing because it's really not that far, right? It's very, very possible. It's just whether mm. governments want to implement or not. But there's also uh, issues with that. La. Once you implement, right? Imagine all your truckers in the US. That's one of the highest um, employment I would say sectors la, yes. in the US. It's a very, very yes, big change. In the US. Yeah. So mm. they just need to introduce it. In th- there's a lot of lobbying power in there's a lot of lobbying power in the US. I think for mm. a lot of people that are not in the US, they don't understand. You know, when you have a very big union and there are a lot of lives at stake and they transcend a lot of states, right? It's not so easy to execute, you know, from a uh you have you have all the technology. Yes, from a technological standpoint, it can execute. But from a legal standpoint and from a, you know deciding whether the states and the country want to take this path, right? It's a lot more complicated. Um, and, you know, there's some sort of beauty in it, lah, right? Mm. It cannot everything just be on a tech basis. But yeah, yeah that's a good point to note, mm. yes. Like, like if you recall Trump and him appealing a lot to all the states, right, that had steel mills, although steel wasn't as productive as uh, before in the US really, but he appealed so much to the masses. Politics, a little bit into it is that, yeah, these kind of leaders, right, will appeal more to those who have been left out. And if the state um, politicians, right, they suddenly just implement, oh, don't need truck drivers anymore. It's going to have these kind of Trump-esque politicians, right, that's going to start appearing. It's going to be a big issue. So it's going to be a lot of happy people. You might see another Capitol Hill again. Yeah. So there's a lot of consideration mm. about this. Uh, that being said, that being said, Tesla can just do it like this. They can just switch on, oh, push down all my autonomous drivers, uh, uh, autonomous driving updates through the software that I have on Tesla, right? Mm. Very easy. It's just up to the government to, to actually do it. Yeah. Um, as it is, really, they're offering mm. it in some states. You can just uh, summon your car or you can help it 
uh, have it parked by itself and stuff like that. It's small, small use cases. Like, I think that's fine. Yeah. So the next thing that can grow, uh, I already mentioned, is about trucks. So trucks uh, as a product, not just for uh, like cars, uh, trucks, like hauling stuff across long distances or those kind of like um, semi-trucks. Yeah, that vehicle class. Mm. In the US, the percentage of vehicles that are trucks is about 60%, right? So wow. yeah, 60%, um, you, you don't talk about just cities. Like, we talk about uh, all the outback areas also. That constitutes a lot of these kind of, of, of um, vehicles. Yeah, so that's a big market that they can enter into. Never mind the autonomous driving, but just for trucks, they can really address this. The next growth one is their supercharger network, right? So other than it, supporting just uh, Tesla vehicles, right? Can they actually make improvements to the superchargers such that it can also support charging of other electric vehicles? So this is about the storage and capacity, which I think they have already solved. But how about it being used for other cars instead? So this, I think, is more important for China than for US because US is just the number and where they place, right? China is a different story because of the, the, the certain restrictions and certain battery types are not the same. Battery fire and all that kind of stuff um, is a big issue. Lah. Yeah. So how do you actually have some kind of converter for, say, the voltage, the amperes, the rate of charging, all these matters, right? Do you actually want to support this as a company? And is the government actually going to help you on this? Or are they going to say like, oh, you build this technology for me earlier. Okay, bye-bye. I kick Tesla out after that. That could happen also. Mm, mm. Yeah, that could happen also. Yeah, right? yeah. Now, if, sure. if, if, if China says, okay, right, this can be a very good thing for Tesla because they might have some kind of energy uh, credit scheme or so with the government. Right? You produce this much of energy, uh, thanks, uh, you can sell it back to grid. That will be a very, very big thing uh, for Tesla. Okay? Then the long-term aspect of it, say like, Four or five years out, la, it's really Solar City's full integration with Tesla. Now imagine the Solar City aspect, right? Which is uh the core product is basically selling um solar production capabilities for both enterprise as well as for homes. Okay. Now just look at the homes mm. portion. If they don't need to be powered by the grid anymore and they can be just be powered by Solar City tech or Tesla tech, right? You don't need to actually buy electricity from the grid. You are gathering them from the sun for free and you're selling it back to the government in the aspect state, right? Mm, mm. And there's going to be a lot of excess capacity which you can just use for whichever. If everyone starts about it, then it's like energy revolution. La. Then basically, this also has a lot of synergy mm. with the existing supercharger network because you no longer need to tap on the, the government anymore for electricity. Tesla truly becomes an energy production company from the sun. This is crazy, mm. right? You don't need mm. to build all rig. You don't need yes, to hunt yes. for this one. It's just solar already. Yeah. So this is very, very big, but it's uh, quite long-term. They say like four to five years. Not that mm. far-fetched. Not that far-fetched. Again, it's waiting for regulation. Do they actually want to allow it? And again, uh, as you mentioned, Reggie, the lobbyists. There's a lot of oil companies. There's a lot of existing oil production companies uh, with lots Huge. of lot of deep pockets and influence. Mm. That's definitely one thing to block this. La. This is their rice bowl. La. And uh, you see like BP, Shell, um, recently they've been um, mandated to actually do carbon reductions or to go and invest very heavily into green technology, right? This is something that they are also looking at. Why should a pie go to Tesla? I want to build my own network. I want to build my own solar cities, right? So this is again um, mm. something that Tesla doesn't say like, oh, they have the most fanciest technology, right? It doesn't mean that it's going to be the, the market leader. Yes, mm. they need to court a lot of these guys to come in and, you know, share the pie if they want to be a dominant player in the, in the space. Mm. Yeah, so I, I get it. There are a lot of like great growth opportunities that are possible 
you know, potentially it can get there. And it does, from a technical standpoint, from your view, it does not seem too far. But there's a lot of other lobbying things and uh, executional realities that, you know, it's not, it's not just a product, but it's a lot about the business and it's a lot about the politics that are involved, you know, to do some of, some of these fundamental changes, mm. right? So then, what are some of the core risk factors then in that sense? Right, right, right. Uh, so for the risk... There are tons, right? With every opportunity in this long-term growth, and it's a very <laughs> big, big market, right? There's a lot of competitors, right? The competitors are definitely mm-hmm. going to want to have a piece of the pie, especially for China. You release the battery technology, or oh, that's it, man. They're just going to mass-produce lithium batteries like, like no tomorrow. The price is going to go down, but you're going to have a lot of car competitors, which you see now also. So that's on their basic products that they're already selling in China. Now. So you've got NIO, you've got Xpeng, you've got um, other car companies, what uh, um, SAIC was it? Yeah, producing all sorts of, of EVs also. And um, let's say for like Honda, Mercedes-Benz and all that, they're working with other providers to try to include this either in a hybrid model or full electric also. And they're also trying to go for autonomous driving, but I, they're not there yet. But we see a lot of competition increasing. So I think that's the basic one. The second one um, in current climate, I think is a supply chip shortage, right? So... Yes, they build their own chips, right? But they still need the supply of the mini, mini microchips, right? At the same time. So this also affects how many cars they can produce because it's definitely going to get uh, affected. Lah. You will see that the production numbers are actually declining even though that, um, I would say declining, it doesn't meet their, their estimates even though it's high. They're scaling slower. They're, they're scaling they're slower. They're not meeting their growth targets, yes. Right, right, right. Mm. And how long this supply chip shortage, it might be prolonged, say until the end of the year, it might be for three years, unknown. So um, it really depends on how much stockpiling is going on, right, for all the other firms who are buying microchips. If everyone's going to go back to like, mm. say, or oh, winner, no, I would say winner takes all. Like, it's, it's more like um, every man for himself, that angle, right? I'm going to buy three times my original inventory. Wow, this, this problem is going to be prolonged, Right. And for the companies, uh, the competitors, say in China, they are able to source out these microchips faster or cheaper than Tesla. They will have an advantage for sure. It does, that's why it doesn't mean that your technology is so great. If you don't have that raw material to produce those technologies in the first place, you are at a disadvantage. Right? Your fleet numbers, you see they're declining. Within the space of two, three years, right, the capacity increase in China is going to increase by a lot. Not just for semicons, but for cars also. Yeah, there's just a lot of government money that's flowing into this area. Shit. Yeah, that 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 is a is a good reality, which once again brings back to the idea that yes, you may have a technology superior product, you may have so-called a better product, but executionally, you know, what is the reality and you know how how is it gonna be like? So I think that is a, a great discussion that we had. You know, mm. I've never studied Tesla ever. You know, and I've always only hear news on the side. There's a lot of commentary here and there. You know, everybody has their own view. But I think after talking to you today, there is some base case to it. But I also think it's very pricey in today's price. Of course, it's not a buy-sell recommendation. But, you know, from today's price, it is priced for, I think, some people say it's priced for perfection. I think they're priced for few, like perfect perfection. You know, it's like beyond perfection already. Mm. Because 
you know, even some of the biggest growth stories out there today are not priced at such a price. Of course, people are saying that it may become the next Amazon, you know, or if you listen to Cathy, right, she says it's $3,000, mm. right? So there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of uh, future being priced into it and it does not help that Musk has a cult following and having a cult following, it adds to the premium of the shares, right? So essentially, that's kind of where it is and I hope you guys learned some good juices today and uh, let's continue to have a discussion and comment in the comment section so that we can, you know, discuss further about different specifics because you realize that a lot of companies that we talk about um, especially those that are not just doing one business vertical or they're in the newer style of businesses mm. there are multiple elements to talk about it's very hard to cover everything at one go so if somehow there are specific things that you want to know uh, pertaining to Tesla or pertaining to every other company that we've covered always just comment on the comment section and then we can take it from there okay thank you Thomas thank you everyone appreciate your time alright Hey Coconut, so I hope you learned something useful today and definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We're not giving you any recommendations here, but I'm always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series has a lot more depth and terms, so if you have any questions for us, do join our community telegram group or DM us on our socials. Link is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. And to stay tuned with what is happening in the markets and in the TFC network, do sign up for our weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, I hope you have a great day ahead and may you improve to become a confident, insightful and disciplined investor, ultimately creating the life you love while managing your finances well. See ya next week.